Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. There's a guy who I really, really love what he's doing, but I really, really hate his hockey team. But that's the way this kind of goes, <laughs> even though he's got it all painted up. His name is Chris Sheets. Chris Sheets is uh, from our sister station, uh, Kissing Country in Edmonton. Uh, it's uh, 103.9, by the way, on the FM. And Chris joins me now. Uh, Chris, where are you exactly? Well, I think we're going to end this call now that you said you hate my hockey team, but that's all right. I get it. Wow. I get it. It's all about, it's all about uh, rivalries in Canada, isn't it? I'm a... You hate my hockey team, so we're good. Is it Vancouver? No, it's Calgary. Oh my gosh! No, I don't hate it. I feel See? I hate. I feel sorry for you. I don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, in all clarity, I would like to. I would like to say that when I can't cheer for Calgary because they are my favorite. Yeah. Um, I did grow up in Fort McMurray, so you know I will often, okay. if given no other choice, uh, they would be my. Your Oilers would be my. You know backup, what? So and that's fair. At the end of the day, we're all Albertans. I've got an Alberta flag on my Zamboni right now, and. Uh, you know, all all of us hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's that simple. <laughs> Even Toronto Maple Leafs fans hate the Toronto Maple Leafs, man. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's so good. So uh, Chris Sheets uh, hosts the morning show on Kissin' and um, has taken a Zamboni into Calgary, was not allowed to drive it in Calgary, which is funny. Yes. And now you're driving that Zamboni all the way back to Edmonton? I am. I'm driving it... Uh, I mean, driving it very, very slowly, my friend, uh, very slowly. And you're right. Uh, we didn't get permission to drive it in Calgary, so we had to start at the outskirts of Calgary. And I get it. I mean, you know what? I I, I wouldn't blame them, I guess. We wouldn't want a, a Calgary Flames Zamboni or Vancouver Canucks or anybody else's Zamboni in our town. I don't know if we could stop it. You know, it's Alberta, Canada is a free country. But uh, at the end of the day, we started, uh, started on the outskirts, and it's been an, an incredible trip. It really has. And I have to do a shout out to everybody in Southern Alberta because the response, now I'm raising money for the Alberta Food Bank along with this, and the response, I thought for sure the first half of this trip until I got to Red Deer, which is kind of halfway and kind of the border of Oiler fans and Flames fans, I thought it's going to be not very pretty first, the first uh, day and a half. And I tell you what, it was the opposite of that. Uh, we, we actually had people giving us donations to the Edmonton Food Bank from Southern Alberta. It was, it was pretty moving. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the Alberta flag on the back of this thing speaks for it. It's not really the battle of Alberta. It's kind of the battle for Alberta, and we're all in this together. Well, and it is kind of cool. I mean, uh, Flames fans, I would say Canucks fans, too, uh, just in, in Western Canada, even Jets fans would probably walk up to you and say, hey, look, your team sucks. You have terrible <laughs> taste. Here's some. Here, here's a bunch of food we want to help yeah, out, here, right? Yeah, here's 20 bucks. I hate your team, right? And, and uh, but yeah, it's like that. It, it is. It's. It's that fun kind of rivalry, just kind of like the Canadian Football League, same idea, great stuff. I mean, everybody still gets together and uh, and parties, you know, even though they 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 don't like the same hockey teams or whatever. And and and, it, and rivalries are healthy. They absolutely are. So we are having this conversation at just after four o'clock Mountain Time because by the time we run this later on, uh, it's going to be nighttime, and I don't even know if you have headlights on that thing. <laughs> so um, just to be clear, so where are you now, and what's the plan for what's next? Okay, well, I've I've uh, put on one hundred and fourteen point nine kilometers today. I started in a place called Penhold, um, just south of uh, Red Deer. Sounds like that's where the penitentiary should be. It's in Bowden. It's not in Penhold. 
but a beautiful little community. And I've made my way to Wetaskiwin. And uh, I'm just on the outskirts right now, about to go into Wetaskiwin, expecting a really nice, I mean, if it's, if it's anything like uh which is the Cree Nation here, uh, the, the response was incredible in that town. Everybody's wearing their oiler jerseys. They're throwing money at the Zamboni to give to the Edmonton Food Bank. And uh, I'm expecting much the same in Wetaskiwin, just kind of like we saw in Pinoka and Red Deer and all of these other communities along the way. And the goal then is to get a little bit further tonight. And then we got one final day tomorrow. And we're going to ironically, not ironically, on purpose, stop the, uh, the trip at the Edmonton Food Bank, where hopefully we will have collected a lot of money. So how's everybody going to find you other than the really ugly Zamboni you're driving? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they can go to kissinfm.com. That's cisnfm.com. I mean, if you want to give uh, to this cause, I, I promise you they're going to use that the money wisely. I know this is a national show, and we appreciate any any help we can get. If you go there, the the food bank drive to the cup because, of course, the Stanley Cup will be awarded in uh, in Edmonton this year, whether the Flames win it or the Oilers or or, or the Canucks or. You know, even the Maple Leafs. I just hope it's a Canadian team. It's been like since 1993. It's time for a Canadian team to win it. And uh, so it's going to be happening, you know, starting on, on Saturday. So we've got lots of excitement for that in the community as well. Well, Chris, I want to acknowledge you because not only are you uh, doing this and clearly you're a Closet Flames fan driving an Oilers Zamboni. <laughs> yeah, I can it hear it, it in your voice. It makes it way tougher. <laughs> That's right. So that's difficult for you. I get that sacrifice. Plus, I mean, dude, it's been hot. It is sunny. Um, You know, you're cooking. I saw the big umbrella in the photo. I mean, that's probably helpful, but it doesn't do a whole lot. It's not like you're getting the wind through your golden locks here. You know, it's not uh, ideal. It's not ideal. It's the hottest it's been in two years. I always have this line my dad used to use. The Lord has a sense of humor. (laughs) And I'm I'm getting yeah, it right, right now, and I, I wiped out in a biking accident on Friday with my mountain bike and basically took my face off, too. Uh, broke my nose and, oh, no. and uh, oh, did a dear. bunch of different things with stitches and road rash. So as the sun heats up, it's just basically my face feels like bacon kind of cooking. <laughs> so oh, it, it, it's just added to the excitement. <laughs> it'll, it'll add to the story. I should have wrote a book a long time ago, but maybe I'll write one about my Zamboni trip. Uh, well, I look forward to seeing the photos. I hope you put together a photo book, if nothing oh, else, because it's pretty awesome. You know what? I, I, I want to say just really quickly, the one thing I have appreciated, I grew up on the farm and I spent time on a tractor without a cab and, and uh, going down the fields. And that's what I've done the last two and a half days. And I've really realized how beautiful our province is and our country, because when you're driving 120 down the QE2, you don't really appreciate the surroundings. When you're going 16 kilometers an hour, uh, you really do. And so I, I've, I've really gotten that. Of just a kind of a resurgence of appreciation for how lucky we are to live where we live, especially in July. Yeah. And you know what? Um, I acknowledge your hard work, buddy, and your commitment to doing it. It's been fun and playful. It has played on the rivalry, but at the same time, I really feel like it's welcomed everybody, and that's what it's all about. So thanks, Chris. Chris Sheets from Kissing Country in Edmonton on a terribly ugly Zamboni uh, raising <laughs> stuff for the food bank. Uh, thanks, buddy. Good luck right. and drive drive safely. Don't, don't speed. I don't want to hear about you crossing over 18. There won't be a problem with that. Yeah, exactly. Hey, thank you, Shane. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. All right, let's check into uh, some Are You OKs. Let's do Are You OKs, Maddie. Can you get us a little music there? We'll rock out. Are You OK? We need a new intro, Matt. we got to find a new intro. Will you sing us an intro? Like, not now, but I mean. What? Like, I think we need a new intro. <laughs> I've, got, I've got enough problems already. Um, I'll, I'll figure something out, yeah. I can hear the lyrics now. 
Uh, Shane wanted a new intro for Are You Okay? But we were talking about chicken wings, so here you go. <laughs> there it is, written. All right, let's get into it. Sorry, I, I got distracted there. Are you okay with trusting dogs to sniff you for the COVID? I mean, I would trust them to, like, sniff out drugs and stuff if I had drugs on my person, but I don't know if they could tell if I was sick or not. They're not... They, you'd have to have a really, uh, really just dynamite nose for that. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, in terms of doctors, you know, like, I wouldn't go to a dog. To... <laughs> dog doctor. Did you go to the doctor, Chris? No, I just, my dog sniffed me. He said I was okay. Dr. Dog said I was all right. Yeah, it, well, there's an indie band called Dr. Dog, and they're terrible, so that doesn't really help. You, should, you but, should see his handwriting. <laughs> it's a paw print. Yeah. Prescription. Um, no, I don't think I'm dog. okay with it. All right. While trials are taking place in the UK to see whether specifically trained uh, airport sniffer dogs could detect COVID-19 in travelers even before symptoms appear. Uh, dogs, uh, sniffer dogs are already common in most airports. Why not? They're looking for drugs like those beagles. They're so cute. Uh, but they're specifically trained and maybe infections and diseases, including cancer, malaria, and Parkinson's could be on their plate or are starting to be proven to be on their plate. Maybe COVID-19 too. This is a CNN report. This dog is being trained to detect prostate cancer. She's presented with urine samples and rewarded when she identifies the correct one. Good girl. What a good girl. This dog is able to identify the odor of malaria sufferers. Their next mission here is to train dogs to sniff out people infected with COVID-19. The way we're going to do that is by collecting using face masks and we're asking people to wear these face masks for a few hours and then we carefully collect those. And the other thing we're going to do is get people to wear nylon socks. That sounds a bit strange, but we know from our previous experience that this is a really good way of collecting odours from people and it's such an easy way to do it. If the training is successful, one of their first deployments is likely to be airports where dogs are already used to sniff out drugs and other contraband. If they help reopen the travel industry, that could be the boost to international trade that governments everywhere have been looking for. Okay, so if you're at the airport and the security folks, the, the customs and border folks come to you and they say, we need you to pee on the cup or we need you to pee on the dog, that's going to be problematic for most people. <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean... Yeah, you should feel like that's entrapment, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. It's the other way around. I mean, that feels like entrapment. I think a little bit. I, I think. Um, I think my thing with the dogs is that, like, in, in real talk here, is that if they sniff you and they detect COVID nineteen, well, then what? You're, you're going to get arrested by doctors at the airport. You know, like mm -hmm. what? What? What happens not allowed then? To travel, like, maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, what if the, the dog's wrong? You know, so yeah. the dog can sniff COVID, then, well, like, so what? Great, good job. Have a cookie. <laughs> well, that's what the dog gets. Yeah, good I mean, boy. It would be all right if I got a cookie, but I guess. Yeah. All no, right. you just get all jumped right. on by a SWAT team. Sorry about that, uh, Fido. Apparently, you're out of a job. Okay, <laughs> are you okay? Are you okay with a python roaming loose around the streets of your neighborhood? Hmm. Not necessarily, although I wouldn't try and like get an entanglement with him. 
Not necessarily. I, that's your answer. It's a python. As long as it leaves me alone and I leave it alone, I'm okay. Oof. Manny, what if you're walking down the street one day and there's something slithering ahead of you and you know that snakes don't really live in your neighborhood and then you're like, oh man, that's a python. You'd be okay with that? Like if I just saw it in my neighborhood? Yeah, there yeah. it goes. And it slithers away into the gutter, into the drains. And it's as big as you and it's wearing a sleeveless t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, whoa, that's, that's interesting. And I'd probably go on to run my errand or whatever I was doing outside. <laughs> Whoa, that's interesting. Oh, my God. Okay, authorities in Winnipeg, Manitoba are asking the public to keep an eye out for an unusual loose animal, an African ball python. A city representative for animal services and Winnipeg police service cadets searched. <laughs> Send the cadets. They'll find it. If we can afford to lose one. Oh, my God. Send the Winnipeg uh, service cadets. Search for the serpent on Monday and Tuesday. They have yet to locate the snake, which I have a sneaky suspicion somebody might have saw it, but said, no, I'm going to pretend I didn't see it, which was first spotted Friday by a local resident named Prasad Gowder. Here's the CTV report. Manitobans are no strangers to spotting garter snakes, but a python, an exotic snake, is on the loose in Winnipeg. And though it's not venomous, the city is asking you to be on the lookout. The snake was spotted near the University of Manitoba over the weekend. Prasad Gowder says he was driving home on Friday along Innovation Drive and had to swerve to avoid hitting it. At first, he thought it was a garter snake, but after taking a closer look, he thinks it was an African ball python. It doesn't look like a garter snake. It's not flat. It was quite round. I sort of had to go over in my own mind all the things that I know from having looked at snakes having grown up in India a long time ago, but also just being in the outdoors a lot. It didn't fit with what I had ever seen previously in, in Manitoba. And, you know, the, 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 just the size of it stuck out in my mind. Gowder says he went back later in the day to try to find the snake, but it had disappeared. The city of Winnipeg has confirmed the snake has been identified as an African ball python. Animal services officers and Winnipeg police service cadets are still searching for the snake. I would like to take those two stories and put them together. So can we have the music bed briefly there, Matt? Are you okay with a python sniffing you for COVID at an airport in Winnipeg? <laughs> I think I'd prefer the dog. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, too. context changes everything, doesn't it, all of a sudden? It, all of a sudden, does. we're okay with a dog, right? <laughs> this is the Shift Daily Podcast. You might have heard the story, at least it captured so many people's attention about the missing bear. Um, it was a bear in a backpack. The backpack went missing. And there was one little piece about the bear that was necessary to come back again. And that's where we're going to start this conversation. Uh, joining me to get into it is um, Mara Soriana. And Mara lost her bear. Now, you might think Mara is six. <laughs> Uh, Mara's not six, um, but this bear really, really, really matters, Mara. Tell everybody why uh, the bear matters and then what happened to your bag? Uh, well, this bear is pretty much my prized possession. Uh, my mom gave it to me right before she passed away from cancer last year. And pretty much for a year and a half, she'd been kind of deteriorating because the cancer had stopped responding to the drug therapies that the doctors were giving her. And so more and more, she became less like my mom and more like a cancer patient. And so this bear, she gave it to me for Christmas right before all that happened. So it's basically the last reminder that I've got of hers that has the voice that I grew up with. 
you know, and mm-hmm. there's so many reasons why this bear is amazing and it, why it's, it's so important to me. I'm also her only child in Vancouver. The rest of them are in the GTA. So she gave it to me kind of as a reminder that my family is always with me and being the oldest of three kids and I'm so independent, I never really got a lot of one-on-one time with her and I never got to have like a lot of deep chats and conversations with her all the time because she was so busy taking care of the house and of my little siblings and busy being a mom. Yeah, basically. And, um, the bear has a voice recording from her saying, Hey Mara, I love you so very much. I'm so proud of you. No matter where you are, I'll always be with you. And it was insane. It feels like she knew that that was going to be her last remaining message to me before she passed away because that message is profound. And I hug this bear every time I miss her. I listen to it whenever I'm down and I miss her. And it's just, it's my most prized possession. Um, you still get emotional talking about it even after all this, hey? Yeah. Like, on, I, I've heard this recording a million times and I still cry every other time. Honestly, like it's, I'm also a crier, so. <laughs> but so oh, is she. Enough. I get that from my mom. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. So the connection is there anyway. I mean, I can feel the emotion just hearing you talk about it. So that's quite remarkable. So you had it in your bag. The bag went missing? Well, okay. So we were moving from one apartment to another. And we had a couple of friends volunteering to help us out. And one of our friends decided he'd just bike over to the new apartment because we didn't all fit in the U-Haul. Pretty much as soon as we came up into the alley, though, we get a phone call saying that he got smoked by a van. He was biking straight on a bike lane and a guy driving basically just sideswiped him because he made an abrupt right turn without signaling. And they were both going like kind of at full speed. Well, as full speed as you can get making a right turn. And I freaked. Not only is this guy one of my like best friends since college, he was also on his way to help us out you know, help us move. So I felt responsible for this whole situation. And when I called him, I guess like the adrenaline was still running because I was asking him, Hey, are you okay? How's your bike? And all he could say was, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the full damage until we assess it. And in my head, I just thought the worst. I'm like, Oh my God, his bike is under the wheel. Like he broke his leg and he can't feel it. And that's why he doesn't know what, how injured he is. So I freaked, I leapt out of the cabin. I dropped the bag. I dropped everything on me and I just ran to a car share to get him ASAP because I didn't know how injured he was. Um, Unfortunately, like we had the U-Haul only for a certain amount of time and we were in a rush. So my fiance just immediately started unloading the back and the backpack was in front of the U-Haul. So I was so panicked. I didn't tell him and I kicked myself to this day for doing that. And nobody even noticed that the bag was there. And so it took 10 minutes. The thief saw it looked around, made sure that nobody was looking, grabbed it, and just ran. So just like that, the bag was gone. So did your friend turn out to be okay? Yeah. No broken legs? Yeah, yeah. Luckily, it wasn't his leg. It was more like his wrist. And Mm -hmm. he went into the hospital, like, just next door, and we got x-rays. And he's just a bit battered and bruised, so he's thankfully okay. So he's okay. Yeah. So the bag is gone. You seek out some help and you uh, got some help from some unlikely people. I mean, some broadcasters reached out on it and then some famous people did. That must have been a surprise. Oh, it was wild. It was wild. I I was so sad and desperate that first night it happened. I was just so distraught. Um, The Vancouver subreddit on Reddit there had just finished reuniting a guy with his bike. Um, it was a huge meme there for a while. And so I figured I would give it a shot. I would ask them to just not like find the bear, but just keep an eye out. Cause it's not 
worth anything to the thief. So he probably just chucked it like in a bush or a bin somewhere or in an alley. Mm, that's what I was worried about that the, would have kept the valuable stuff and just thrown the bear in a, in a trash can. Yeah. And that's what I was afraid of. I mean, you know, keep like take the iPad, take the Nintendo Switch. I don't care. I can replace those eventually. It's the bear that I care about. And if he just chucked it in the bushes, that's why it's it was time was of the essence, you know, like I needed to get out there. So I immediately just started running around looking for it, but came to nothing. And finally, someone on Reddit said, hey, you should contact the local news. They'll run a piece on it probably because this is so sad. And I did out of desperation. I emailed CBC at 7 a.m. on Saturday morning because I couldn't sleep. And within an hour, someone got back to me and it ended up being Deborah from the CBC. She ran this fluff piece on the radio for like a minute talking about the situation. And while we were on the phone, she said, maybe... Web might pick it up if they feel like it. I don't know. No promises. This is all that we can give you for now. And I was happy with that. You know, if somebody in Vancouver was driving around to the beach and they heard that news story and they saw the bear that I would be happy with that. But I, I was crying the whole time that we were chatting on the phone because it just it just happened. It had just happened. So it was still really fresh and raw. And Deb felt so bad for me that she tweeted about it. Not that she tweets about every piece, so it was crazy that she did. And I guess Ryan Reynolds still follows local Vancouver news because he saw it and he retweeted it. And it wasn't just a snowball. It was an avalanche, you know, of outcome, of like of just wholesomeness from the whole Internet, basically just wanting me to get my bear back. And so here we are today. Now, you have the bear with you, holding on to it very tightly, yep. <laughs> and um, and it's been with you all day. Have you even really let go of it since you got the bear back? <laughs> I haven't been able to. Like, this whole ordeal has made me feel like a little girl again. It's just, it's just been the weirdest thing. I, I guess it's just been so symbolic of all of the kind of love and kindness that I've been feeling these past few days that it's 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 even more valuable to me than it ever was. Honestly, it, it, it not only just reminds me of my mom, but it reminds me now of the time that Vancouver and like the whole world came together just for a few days to root for us. And there's nothing more than anyone can ask for than that, I think. No, it's humanity at its best. It's so cool. So how did the, how did you get it back? Who found it? What happened? It was the craziest thing. Like I was literally on my way to bed in my, on, like I had been so tired. It had just been nonstop. I haven't even unpacked my apartment. I've been living in boxes this whole time because I'd just been so busy talking to media, running up and down the streets, trying to find this bear that I just wanted to rest. So basically I was getting into bed and then I get this email from this guy who said, Oh, I put myself in danger. I, I saw the CCTV footage that you posted on the news and I know this guy and he's a scumbag and I'm going to get this bear for you. And not that I need the reward, but it would be really cool. You know, like he said, he's <laughs> fallen on hard times and I believe him. He seemed like a very genuine guy that like just wants to get out of there. So I think he'd put the reward to good use. And so I called Deb because I did not want to get stabbed over a teddy bear. My mom would not like that. I <laughs> know. Uh, That's generally bad. Yeah, yep. <laughs> generally bad form to get stabbed over stuff. Um, and she set up the safe meeting space at the CBC building downtown. And there's like a glass partition, like glass doors. So I felt safe. She felt safe. We had security there, just making sure everything was good. And this guy rolled up with his friend on a bike and he pulled out the bear and I just buckled, my knees just buckled. I was sobbing. I didn't even 
give him a chance to take the bear completely out of his bag before I ripped it out of his hands and just gave it the tightest hug. It was, it's a moment I'll never forget, honestly. <laughs> That's amazing. It's absolutely remarkable. Um, it's, uh, you can see, I wish, I don't ever in my life ever wish I did TV for a job, but I do wish people could see the smile on your face when you tell the story, <laughs> um, which, which we can't do. Can you, can you play the, the bear? Yeah, absolutely. Just put it close to the, if you just put it close to your laptop there yeah. or, and try that. Yeah. Hi, it's wonderful. So you can see why this message is so important to me. You know, really, it's everything that a child wants to hear after their parent passes away. All you want yeah. to know is that they love you. They're proud of you. They'll always be with you. Well, I'm glad. I'm really glad that you got your bear back. And thank you for sharing the time with us. It's a remarkable story. And I think in all of the political things going on in the world today and the COVID and all of the nonstop negativity that we've been hearing, it is kind of nice to just have a story about a guy who managed to bring back the bear. Who cares what his reasons are? He did it. Um, no need to judge. And uh, and here you are. So you're going to sleep good tonight. I'm going to sleep for the next four days. <laughs> I just, it's been so like I haven't been able to eat or sleep really the past. Like it feels like I lost her all over again. It's been it's been really tough. It's been really tough. So I'm just so glad to have it back and I can finally breathe easy and just relax now and finally start unpacking some boxes. <laughs> Thank you for uh, thank you for sharing the time. I really appreciate it. No worries at all. I'm I'm grateful to every media outlet out there because it wouldn't have been possible without this exposure. So I'm happy to talk about it over and over until no one wants to hear it again. <laughs> this is the Shift Daily podcast. We just had a very disturbing conversation about uh, Chris's uh, love for uh, eels. Maybe it was only disturbing to me. Uh, Chris had a smile on his face, and he seems to uh, really love the eels. Delicious. All right. Uh, let's go to Glenn in Oshawa, Ontario, because Glenn was calling in to talk about how terrible smoked eel is. Right, Glenn? Hey, how are you doing tonight? Good, buddy. Help me out here. Well, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, help me out here. Tell me that smoked eel is terrible. Oh, you're dead wrong. You are oh, so wrong. Man. I haven't had Glenn. eel... Oh, no, don't blame me. <laughs> you don't <laughs> want something that you don't try. You know, That's true, you're my right. Father, you sound like something like my father would say. The farmer never eats what he doesn't grow. <laughs> but smoked eel is the most incredible thing to eat. It's disgusting to eat, but it's really good to eat. Why is it disgusting to eat? Is it, like, slimy well, or ugly, or what well, is it? You, you get a smoked eel, and, you know, it's... it's Kind of wrinkly because it's been smoked, so all, all, all the moisture is taken out of it. And then you got to take it by the head, and you crack the jaw open, and you literally peel the skin right off the whole, mm-hmm. off the whole eel, <laughs> just like a snake. Mm-hmm. And then you just gnaw the meat right off the bone. Mm-hmm. It's, oh my god! You guys. It is it is disgusting, but it is so tasty. I we <laughs> okay. we we used to have relatives that would come over from Holland, and they would they mm-hmm. would bring over pounds of smoked eel you know and they would sneak it into the country and then it was it was like a delicacy because it's really hard to get in, in canada i know it's really yeah. big in the states too so huh. but uh 
But you yeah, know, you know when uh, they're, they're incredible. And, and to be honest with you, I'm usually texting all the time because I, yeah. I, I do mobile security. So okay. I usually text throughout the entire show. But because you don't have text tonight, I wanted to cover a bunch of topics if you don't mind. <laughs> sure, we got we got a few minutes here. It's good. I mean, first of all, I'm concerned about your jaw cracking, peeling the skin off story that you just told us so i'm a little cautious to keep going glenn but okay let's go okay uh first off chicken wings love them barbecued my wife marinates them in a a lemon garlic with pepper okay and and a little bit of water uh the house of commons in ottawa is 533.3 kilometers away from niagara falls yeah, <laughs> it is. I honestly couldn't care less about hockey. I'm one of those Canadians that just doesn't like hockey, but I love wow. Olympic hockey. I, I really I just eat. I can eat up Olympic hockey, and and I think the and, and the teddy bear story it captivated me last week, and you guys had me in tears. It uh, I, you know we we lost our son and. Um, and we used to have a recording of his voice, and it was, well, I didn't, but it was on Facebook. And then eventually it disappeared. And, and, and it really, it broke my heart that I couldn't hear his voice. So I, I really felt for that woman, and I was so happy to hear that she got, uh, she got her teddy bear back. Huh. And what there, was your son's name, Glenn? Uh, Michael. M-Y-K-E-L. That's the way we spell his name. All of our kids have a Y in their name except for Jonathan. <laughs> well, you should put a Y in his name and just made it silent. Yeah, or well, just call him Johnny. But there you go. <laughs> done that, but, but then but, spell uh, it with an IE no, no, just we, to mess we, with them. We like to change the names of our kids. Like David is D A V Y D. Oh, very but, good. Uh, I have a yeah. friend. His name is Michael, but he's an M Y K A L, so it's close. But oh, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of Michaela's, but that's generally with uh, for girls. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, okay. I'm, I'm enjoying the show. I I, uh, I really like you as the new host. To be perfectly honest oh. with you, it's, uh, oh, thanks, you guys man. are doing a wonderful job. And uh, like I said, I generally text, so you, you usually get me on a text because I, I can't quite yeah. make the time. But I had a wonderful conversation with you gentlemen. And oh, thank you, you very have much, a Glenn. wonderful evening and continue having a great show. You too. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, except for the part about the eels and the crack in the jaws open. Everything else is uh, good. you got to give it a try. Give it a try. Okay. <laughs> I will not, and I'll trust you, but thank you. All right, Glenn. 877-399-9898. Um, Chris, really, is it like crack the jaw open, peel the skin off grossness like Glenn described? Yeah, yeah Glenn's my man. Glenn knows what's up. Yeah, he knows Glenn. all about it. Yeah. Oh, Thanks, Glenn. Like I d- Thanks. That made like like I got the shivers and I don't feel good. So okay, if you want it to be a bit more graphic, because I know you do, oh, what you God. have to do is oh, you usually uh, you have to smoke the eel and you dangle it usually uh, maybe from the jaw or by the tail, and what you oh, have to s- slip the skin open, and then like pull it down from the top to the bottom. So you kind of strip it from the top to the bottom, uh-huh. and then. Um, uh, Glenn, Glenn likes to eat it right off the bone. That's um, that's no good for Glenn. I like to use a knife and put it on a plate, um, but that's just my preference. I so you use a enjoy... knife and put it on the plate after you manually strip its skin off by the, breaking its jaw. Well, yeah, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But uh, we all have our different ways of eating smoked eel, and uh, okay. you know what? I guarantee you, you ever try smoked eel? Mm, it's the best. Smoke the old, smoke the old chicken wings. How about that? 
Uh, oh, that's an interesting flavor combo. There you go. I um, you and I need to talk about what the best means. Because <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I have two different ideas of what best best is. Yeah, because you just said it's the best, and I'm not quite sure that I agree that that would be the best of all the things. I mean, maybe it's not yeah. as bad as I'm making it out to be in my mind. I, I get that part, but the best. Well, I I'll sure. tell you what. Last night. We uh, we had the issue of we talked about we and what was it we and cherries, and I don't mm-hmm. think we have that problem tonight. I think um, no. Yeah, Glenn Glenn listed a, a few uh, like maybe five or six different things there. So it's been a been a diverse show tonight, hasn't it? Yeah, you know what? If we ever need to figure out what we did on the show, I think we just call Glenn because Glenn will be like, "Hey, Glenn, what did we do in the hour two there? About twenty minutes after the top, I think Glenn will let us know." So thanks for listening, Glenn, and being so attentive yeah. to our show. I appreciate that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, at this point in the program, we had planned to talk about a couple of stories, and, and in case you missed it, I think that we should do that because I really want to get to the the skydiver story yeah. here. So even if that's the only one we have time for, can we do that, Matt? You want to? Uh, get us into the uh, into the, the segment here yeah check this out in case you missed it on the radio here's new zealand's chris gilbert <laughs> yeah. hi <laughs> it's me hi um, okay time we don't have much so uh just on the topic of uh things being lost and then returned to them you know some good news today i came upon t- not one but two in two days uh two people Lost their prosthetic legs doing adventure sports, and had it, had it had their legs returned to them twice. Two stories in two days. What are the odds? Uh, the first wow. one: uh, farmer returns prosthetic leg that skydiver lost during jump. This is in Vermont. Uh, Vermont skydiver who lost his prosthetic leg during a jump. He had now has it back thanks to a farmer, who kept an eye out for it and spotted it in a soybean field. And, uh, yeah, we've got a little news report about that. You've heard of pennies from heaven, but what fell from the sky over West Addison, Vermont this weekend was far more valuable. Always got to keep an eye out. Farmer Joe Marcelkowski found a prosthetic leg in his soybean field. It's literally a needle in the haystack as far as trying to find it. How did it get there? Well, West Addison's home to Vermont skydiving adventures, where thrill seekers can get some really stunning views of the Champlain Valley. Double amputee Chris Marcris went for a jump Saturday, and after leaping from the plane, he lost one of his prosthetics. I think my adrenaline was so high, and I was just so excited, I didn't even realize that I had lost it. Now, before you get too worried, he was harnessed to an experienced instructor who made sure he could land safely. But Chris really needed to find that leg for his mobility and because a replacement would be expensive. So he wrote on Facebook asking folks to keep their eyes out. Joe was among the many people who saw the post and helped search, finding the leg Sunday afternoon among his crops, intact with only a few scratches. It's very grateful that we were able to find it without running it over with a machine or something this fall during harvest or, or God forbid, the combine sucked it up and it would have destroyed it. It was just such a positive experience. I can't thank everybody enough, especially Joe. We kind of take for granted sometimes how many truly good people there still are in the world. Joe and Chris were working out a plan Monday to meet up and return the leg. And even though Chris was offering a cash reward to whomever found it, Joe tells me he doesn't want the money, saying just knowing he helped a fellow Vermonter is payment enough. Yeah, he probably doesn't want the money because those things are worth like $25,000. So it, it literally is payment enough. 
Uh, well, wouldn't he take it off though? I mean, I I don't know anybody who only has one leg, so I I can't ask that question. But you'd think if you're jumping out of a plane, you'd probably like put it in a backpack or something, wouldn't you? Yeah, or maybe like you know tie a cord around it a few times, like you're tying something to yeah. the roof of a car or something. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, he, I, he... and I don't mean. I, I oh, just don't on, mean it to be like smart. I, I don't mean it to be smart by any means. I just mean it literally yeah. from the perspective of would would you be worried that you would lose it? Well, I think if you got to jump out of an airplane, you know, like I, I would take my wallet out of my pocket. I would leave my car keys on the ground. And right. I'd probably, you know, if I had any loose items, I'd probably secure them or take them off. He's not the only one, though. Um, we probably don't have time for the package, but there's also a Missouri man who lost his prosthetic leg during a rafting trip. He was also reunited with his lost limb thanks to a Missouri State Highway Patrol diving team. So the diving team recovered his leg for him. So, um, what a nice diving yeah. team! Yeah, thanks, guys. And and like and I just I like the theme tonight of people losing things that are important to them: a bear, their mum's voice, you know, their prosthetic legs, and everyone's getting them back. So I'm mm. happy about that. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah. I feel happy about that too. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.